Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the Two Scene Podcast. Welcome, first time listeners, to the Two Scene Podcast, the podcast where two journalists sit down and talk baseball. I am your host, Tyler Foy, and with me, as always, is my wonderful co host, Camilo Fonseca. And Camilo, there has been many moves. It's been an uh, exciting time for baseball, although, you know, I can't say it's been so positive for me. But, you know, the offseason is always an exciting time. As much as there's not baseball to be played, there's rumors, there's stories, there's narratives. And we're going to kind of cover all of our bases here with, um, with where players have ended up. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the last thing we left off doing was that uh, American League postmortem, um, mm-hmm. and we were we were saying, oh, in the next week we'll we'll get a National League postmortem up, uh, and that uh, that didn't happen as quickly as we wanted it to. So winter meetings came and and went, and I think a lot of the free agent signings are off the board now. But that just makes our job a little bit easier when we're talking about you know National League teams um, and what they need going forward. But first off, I think. You know, there are so many different uh, free agent signings to cover. Yeah, so I mean, plenty of stuff has has happened for sure. The big thing that everybody was going into the winter meetings thinking is, you know, what is going to happen with uh, Aaron Judge? Is he going to become a a Yankee? I thought he was going to become a San Francisco Giant. For a little bit there, Arson Judge was a yeah a San San Francisco Francisco Giant Giant for a couple for a couple minutes. Uh, Um, It looked like uh, John Heyman. Uh, tweeted that that that's where he was going but no he ended up with the new york yankees nine years uh 360 million 40 million aav is the highest for any uh position player what do you think on uh is that a good deal or uh no i, I mean we've been saying <laughs> no, okay, it we've yeah. been saying it for a while you know it's you know i think the nine years definitely um is better than going 10 years um but you know it, We've been saying it for a while. We don't feel, and I guess I would just say, I don't feel that this contract uh, with his player type will be, it's not a longevity thing. He's a big guy. He's a big guy with lots of, you know, muscle mass. That doesn't tend to age well in 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 baseball. In baseball, yeah, in particular. This will take him through his age 39 season, you know, and he's going to be getting $40 million his age 39 season. Yeah, I guess you know. I guess if any team can do that, it's the New York Yankees. But um, I don't know. I I it's good that they didn't lose him because that would have been its own issue in terms of the fan base and and the credibility of the organization. Whatever it is, an overpay, and I think that's what we're going to see in a lot of these free agent signings. The market for so many of these has just been ridiculously inflated. Um, and I mean, part of that is Aaron Judge, but the shortstop market, all these shortstops have been getting, you know, 25, nearly $30 million uh, a year on all these, you know, five, six, seven, eleven 11-year deals in some of these cases. Like, uh, I mean, I don't want to spend too much time on Judge. Let's, let's go over to um, someone that's near and dear to your heart uh, who signed with the San Diego Padres, Xander Bogarts, for 11 years. Like that's that's too much for me, to to keep him till his age forty season, paying paying somebody twenty five million dollars for eleven years. That's a massive commitment, especially for San Diego, uh, who already has not one but two shortstops in their lineup. 
Right. And I think one of the things, you know, getting onto the topic of long contracts, is just it's just what the players want. Um, there's com- been a complete shift in the last, you know, decade of, of contracts and how they're signed. And what we're seeing now, you know, we're seeing too long of contracts, in my opinion, to be signed. But players want to be paid and have guaranteed money locked up. Uh, it's obviously smart financially, but for these front offices, I mean, eventually we have to start thinking and drawing a line at, you know, how many years is, is too much. I mean, just going back to that J-Rod uh, contract that could extend to 14 years. Um, but that's even insane. different because J-Rod is in his early 20s. You 14 know? years is still insane. It's No, it is insane, but this is different because you're looking at a player that you can at least make an argument for J-Rod that his prime is is still a little ways away. You know, yeah, he's still developing away, I would say. into the player that he's going to be. This is Xander Brogard's prime right now. Yeah. So to be paying him for another 11 years and on a pay on a team that ha- already has a massive payroll, you know, I don't know if I like that deal just because I don't think it address it doesn't address a need that San Diego wanted other than to go out and get a big name free agent. Sure, and um I don't know if you mentioned it was a 25 million uh, AAV deal, mm-hmm. uh, 280 and we mentioned 11 years. Um, yeah, going to take him through his age 40 season as a shortstop that first off probably won't be a shortstop by 40. He probably right. will be aging or something. Something or in San out. Diego. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, my one my one question with this, actually, I have many questions, but one of the more prominent ones for me is, you know, how does this affect them re-signing Soto? And is, is re-signing Soto even something that they have considered? Because, obviously, the San Diego Padres have been not only spending a lot of money, but locking up a lot of people on long-term contracts. And I guess I'm just a little confused and a little perplexed, really, on what will happen with Juan Soto. Right, for sure. The The thing, I shouldn't, I, I don't want it to seem that I'm against teams spent, spending big on free agency. Um, okay, Mr. Rays. Well, well, I... I I am used to teams not spending big on free agency. I don't think it's inherently an issue when when teams commit the sort of payroll that, uh, you know, San Diego, for example, is doing. And that's been a success the past couple of years, you know, getting butts in seats, you know, getting a fan base excited about a team. But you have to do it intelligently. And I don't know, uh, like, maybe this contract ages well for the next four or five years, but... I just think it's really hard to justify this in six, seven years if I'm AJ Preller and I'm committing, you know, $25 million to one of three uh, shortstops that are locked down long term, you know? I actually don't know how long Kim's deal is, but Tatis is 14 years. Tatis goes to the outfield now, right? I mean, that's what's going to happen. Well, I heard somebody saying it's possibly moves over to second, but then what do you do with. That's what a you do really weird second base. You move them to, uh, you don't, you can't. You, you just, they have too many they players. They have to trade somebody. And I mean, we'll get into that more when we talk about San Diego as a team. But I, I just think so many of these contracts are putting teams in very uh, 
very just like interesting positions that I think were un unnecessary. Um, another contract that I I don't like. I don't know what what your thoughts on it, but Trey Turner to Philadelphia, also eleven years, three hundred million. Um, I love Trey Turner. I think he's a great player, and I I think I, he's absolutely a joy to watch. But for a player like Trey Turner, that so much of his game comes out of his his dexterity and his speed um, on the base paths and you know as as a defensive shortstop. That's not going to be there when he's hitting his age forty season, you know, and he's getting paid twenty seven million dollars by Philadelphia. Yeah, how so is that going to work? Eleven year deal, three hundred million for the Phillies. Uh, I have to agree with you there. I I, I completely agree with how Turner um, will probably age you know i mean it's it's uncommon to have that kind of build and and to be still worth 27 million maybe you know i I still think of him as as going to be a very highly touted contact hitter um and we don't exactly know how these contracts are loaded you know this could be either of these deals any of them really could be very front loaded and then the back half kind of you know fizzles out but and so I do, me, sorry, I mean, I was just going to say, I do trust Dave Dombrowski more than I do, like, A.J. Preller in that regard. Um, so, he's a pretty cool guy. He's a, yeah, I mean, you you like him a, a ton, I'm sure. Um, but what I would like to say on this is I really like this move for the Phillies. Not the years, but to get Trey Turner into that team. I think that he really does add something different to that Phillies lineup because, you know, we talk Schwarber, Harper, you know, Cassianos. There's not a lot of people that are kind of threats on the base paths. Now, Kyle Schwarber did steal the base (laughs) to get the Taco Bell for everybody. But he's just a little different and adds that extra variety to their lineup um, that, you know, obviously in the World Series this year. So they could be on for another, another push and he does add something to that team it's not a mindless signing mm-hmm. like as i would say xander bogart's is kind of like a san diego like you flash something shiny in front of a kid and he wants it i think that's what what happened with well xander san diego bogart's. also got outbid on judge or not even outbid but and turner they sent in they they, they missed the opportunity to sign both of them right so they just were like that's why they went we gotta through. go get somebody no you're right i think turner definitely slots into the way that the phillies organization works a lot i still liked him i still liked if i would love to have seen the guardians go out and and pursue him but yeah i mean that would have (laughs) that would have been when interesting um verlander let's talk about verlander to the mets um this is one of the ones i've only marked a couple here that i'm i'm actually uh, a couple of these big name signings that I'm a fan of. I think Verlander to the Mets is this contract, you know, in my very unintelligent opinion, I think it's solid. You know, two years. Um, that's they're not they're locked down. You know, till he's 41 years old. But you know, two yeah, years. How it. how much is his, his um, game going to degrade in two years, considering the level of dominance that he had? You know. In his age 39 season. Coming off of an injury. Right. Yeah, I, I have to agree here. I, 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 I guess we have similar thoughts, but Verlander, two-year deal. You know, the Mets, they're trying to fill in the hole that's going to be left by Jacob deGrom, which we'll get into in a little bit here. But, I mean, 
it makes sense. You want a veteran. You want a guy that has postseason experience, and this guy has postseason yeah. experience. Now, he has had a interesting postseason career with ups and downs. <laughs> but, you know, you really could say that about so many different pitchers that have the opportunity to pitch in the postseason. And I think that Verlander, Scherzer reuniting on the yeah. rotation no, is going to be, be really fun. fun to watch. And uh, I'm, I'm excited for it. Yeah. I mean, like you said... Th- Trying to replace the Grom uh, in a rotation is well, you, such a difficult task. I think this is the best. Well, you they just could need to get somebody that can pitch more than five games. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's a good. That's a good point. I mean, hopefully for like he's just coming off of injury, you know, last year. Hopefully that doesn't become a problem again. He's but even if it does, hero. even if it does, that's only two years. You don't. It's not. I think that's my issue with so many of these contracts. It's not necessarily the the money but the term so why don't we move on to the next one sure uh, on the list which is a mid-range sort of deal which Mm -hmm. is Contreras uh coming off of a season where everybody thought he was going to get traded by the cubs which Which he he should have and which the cub the front office um, we'll talk about the cubs front office in a bit but (laughs) i have some some thoughts about that but yeah uh it should have been traded but here he goes signs a five-year 87.5 million dollar deal with the st louis cardinals as the cardinals try to fill in a hole left by their hall of fame catcher well potential hall of fame catcher um yadier molina yeah i mean this this signing is fine i wilson Contreras is not on the young side but five years is not a not a great going from being a cubs like the last piece of that cubs world series to go to the mortal you know sworn enemy, oh yeah the no. cardinals if i was that's a cubs fan be, i would not be happy that's gotta be tough that's gotta be tough and now he's gonna have to you know he already said it himself in his first interview he's like you know yadier molina first ballot hall of famer you know i'm not trying to be that guy but i'm gonna try to do my best in, to, to fill in his shoes and i don't think that St. Louis fans ex- exactly expect him to be, you know. Right. Defensively, he's not. He obviously, he's not on the same level as Yadi Molina. But he could bring something to the offense. You know, yeah. Yadi was old, so I mean, right. So it's it's you're getting a thirty uh, year a downgrade on in on defense. It's maybe be, an upgrade on offense. Maybe that's what St. Louis needs. Going to be a little more mobile, a little mobile, you know. But yeah. um, <laughs> you know, I I think it's a it's a good move for St. Louis and. Yeah, I think a lot of teams are trying to just fill in gaps um, left from others, and I think they've done a pretty good job with it uh, for most. Yeah, no, yeah. for sure. I mean, let's let's talk about here's another big one: Carlos Correa to uh, San Francisco. So, that was a complete surprise to me. I, I've talked it yeah. over with some people, and they were like, "Oh yeah, I, I saw that kind of happening," and I must have been out of the loop with all the rumors and such. Maybe it was my World Cup focus was on, but. <laughs> This was just like midnight for us, obviously 9 p.m. over there, but I was just working my shift and I got the notification. I was like, what? What is happening? Yeah. Well, I think once San Francisco missed out on Judge, you knew that they really were going to, they wanted to sign somebody to be their, their franchise player. And see, I think that is dangerous though, because you want to make the right decision. So why don't we talk about it? You know, 13 year deal. 350 million as a 26.9 AAV and it's going to take all the way throughout his age 41 season and obviously Carlos Correa he signed a deal with Minnesota last year bet on himself bet on himself said you know what I'm going to put a player option after this year if I don't like it here in Minnesota 
I'm going to leave and I'm going to try to make more money elsewhere. And he did that. He's going to get paid more now by the Giants. And my question is, was this the right move? Well, the my thing again is the term. 13 years is obviously, you know, that's colossal. Sure. Um, Correa, this contract, though, I don't think ages as poorly as, as some of the others because Correa at least... Um, I think in in San, in San Francisco in particular, you have options for him for once he 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 becomes less than useful at the shortstop position. Um, he's also I think I don't know I I for whatever reason I can see this working better within the Giants organization um, because they really didn't have a. Um, a My, shortstop that they they could rely on, and yeah, this, this Brandon is, Crawford grew out. You know he's <laughs> he's he's not that guy anymore. The, over there. They're trying to get back to relevance, and I think this is this isn't a team like San Diego that's just grabbing shiny stuff, grabbing big names to have them on their lineup. I think I think these address you see, real but, needs in in the Giants organization that will help them take steps this season. Maybe take steps, but I just don't see a path for the Giants at the moment. Uh, and that's a conversation I guess we can do down the line. We, but yeah, I, 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 I think we will have that conversation a little bit because I have some thoughts on that as well. Um, let's go over to the NL East real quick. Brandon Nimmo re-signing with the New York Mets. Overpay. I think overpay as well. Eight years, one sixty-two. Yeah. Um, but hey, you got your your outfielder back, so you didn't have to fill in that hole. And um, I think it is an overpay, but that's all I really have to say on that one. It's an overpay, but I, I think uh, Steve Cohen. First of all, we know Steve Cohen has no qualms about spending money. Sh- spending money. Brandon Nimmo is a known quantity, and I think they would have rather gone with him than any of the other outfielders on the market, which. Is not a great market for outfielders this year, at least in terms of free agency. So yeah, I mean Nimmo. I think once it once it became clear they weren't getting Judge, I think Nimmo is is really a, a solid choice. I agree that the annual value is too much. Mets also got uh, Kodai Senga from Japan. I was really disappointed to see that one because I was really hoping the Red Sox would be in on it. But the Red Sox were in on every single player, and we didn't get any of them. So, you know, it, it's <laughs> tough. But, um, yeah, a five-year deal, you know, I always love to see international players get to break on the scene, especially from Japan. You know, they have so much talent out there. Um, so I like it. It really rounds out their rotation. Again, they, you know, they lost um what they lost tywin walker right Mm -hmm. um so they're trying to build that just well-rounded rotation and they've been able to do that multiple years but they haven't been able to find the success so yeah no for sure i i like this one i don't think it's an overpay really you know 15 million yeah um my one thing is that with a lot of japanese uh npb players it's really hard to predict how they will adapt to the majors um because a lot of times you know they're they're perform- with pitchers especially a lot of times their performance is not you know as dominant as it might have been in mpb and kodai senga was not the most you know he wasn't he was good but he, i don't think he was lights you know, out we'll in mpb s- we'll see but we'll see 
We'll see. You know, game transfer is different. You know, I think one of the toughest things is probably going to be those first couple months um, where everybody's going to be judging him and trying to... And this goes for the uh, any international star that has to come over and perform. You know, there's not a lot of scouting that is actually done by fans. So the criticism is quite high for those, like, if they don't perform right away. And, you mm-hmm. know... We'll see what it what what it's gonna look like. You know, pitches are different as well. But I wanted to get back to that Steve Cohen spending problem that he has. And right now, the Mets are looking to get a tier four um, tax. Oh, the Steve for Cohen the tax, tax um, which is gonna be eighty four point two million um, approximately, on top of the three hundred and fifty three mil hundred million. That he's spending on payroll, which is more than the bottom three teams, which is Oakland, Pittsburgh, and Baltimore combined. Um, So, absolutely nuts that they are even allowed to spend this much. And (laughs) that they will, and somehow not win the World Series. (laughs) Sorry, Nate. Yeah, that's, that's tough. That's tough. I mean, you know, I think the Mets, you know... I, I think this free agency, they've accomplished really, really everything that they needed to. Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know, it would have been nice to have had Judge or have had... Yeah, they were not. But they weren't going to get, like, and it's fine. Like, genuinely, I, I don't think there are any disappointments. Yeah, we can move on from, from the Mets. Yeah, there's one There's one more big signing that I want to talk about, and then we can go into, I'll, I'll just do like a, a little rapid quick fire. fire. Yeah. So Dansby Swanson, the last of our four... Uh, big shortstops on the market is going to the Chicago Cubs. Which I mean, there was many talks that he would get there, but I, I, every single time I would read it, I would be like, why? You know, what is Chicago planning here? You know, they didn't do the trade at the deadline, right? For either Contreras or Ian Happ, and you know, last off season they signed Seiya Suzuki, so and Marcus Stroman, and this year. Off goes Contreras, in comes Dansby Swanson, and now they have a shortstop. They have a shortstop, they have a right fielder, uh, they have a left fielder, but they don't really have anything else. I think it's another situation, like kind of like the Texas Rangers, which we, we've discussed, where they have a few players here and there that make you say, ooh, you know, I'd like to watch this guy. This guy's pretty good. I know that name. Um, but the rest of them is like just your run-of-the-mill uh, MLB player, and I don't know what their direction is, whether or not it's just keep relevancy and rebuild at the same time, you know, have players to force people to come to games, which, first off, people will go to Wrigley, no matter what, because it's Wrigley Field, it has historic name value, mm-hmm. um, but, I don't know, maybe they have a, a four-year plan that they're working on here, because I don't see... You know, obviously Dansby being a part of that, I don't see this being an immediate impact on that lineup to get them anywhere. No, I don't think so either. I do think $25 million a year is a bit of an overpay for Dansby Swanson. I think in terms of the rest of the shortstops, though, you know, I think it's fair because it's seven years. Yeah, no, for sure. The t- I don't hate the term on this at all because he, you know, he gets out of it at age thirty-five. No, I think this is a fair deal. Uh, just I think well it's a rounded. fair deal. I think you know this is a good player to 
to try and build around, to try and build your next core around. Um, Infield-wise, I think, I mean, Nico Horner slides over to second, I would imagine. Um, Dansby at short. You know, you only have so many holes that you need to expressly, you know, go out and fill in the next couple years. I think it's a it's a good jumping off point for where the Cubs want to be going. Um, but you're right. I don't know how much of an impact this makes immediately. Um, okay, let me run through uh, just a couple of smaller deals. I'm going to get your opinion on them. Um, and then we can hop into the rest of our team postmortems. Michael Brantley to Houston, one year at twelve million. Like it, you know. It's it's you know what Houston probably should have done earlier is is make sure that he stays. And yeah, like it. Yeah, I wanted the Rays wanted a uh, Michael Brantley, so I'm a little little bummed at that. And I think that is a you know good good money. So uh, Andrew Benatendi to the White Sox. Fair, um, fair deal. Um, it was five years, one, uh, sorry, five years, 75 million. Um, fine with it, you know, gets him out of New York. Glad to not see him yeah. in pinstripes. You know, I wasn't <laughs> sitting there like, oh, Benintendi, come home. You know, it, it is what it is. You know, your players, they walk off, they go do other things. And uh, I think Chicago is a fine spot for him. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. Better than Kansas City. Yeah, better than Kansas City. Uh, Noah Syndergaard to the Dodgers, one year, twenty-one million. That's an overpay for me. Hate it, uh, and also strange. I don't know why. I I guess name value helps, and he's going to be in a big market team. But Trevor Bauer, who is a whole load of issues, also still contracted by the Dodgers. So there is, they have a huge, you know, distaste for each other. Um, but Bauer won't be pitching, so I guess it's not an issue. But Syndergaard <laughs> is notably just a a problem star- starter. So I just in, don't, multi- in multiple ways, and I just don't know whether or not this is a great deal for LA. But they're gonna pay anyone any time of the week, so who cares? Yeah, that's true. I mean, I I don't like that sort of money, but if anybody has it, it's yeah. We'll see the him after they win a hundred games again. Yeah. Uh, Kiermaier to Kevin Kiermaier, Rays legend, uh, to the Toronto Blue Jays, one year, nine million. Yeah, it's like they're getting Kevin Pillar all over again. <laughs> Here we go. It's a uh, non-hitting center fielder that's gonna make some pretty cool catches out there. You know, he's a good depth player for them. Um, yeah, I mean I'm, that's I think that's what what this is. Uh, and uh, yeah, nine million is not great, much. Great, great defense. That's solid. That's solid. Uh, Ross Stripling. Uh, to the San Francisco Giants, two years, $25 million. It's literally what the San Francisco Giants have been doing. They've been just grabbing old pitchers and other just veteran pitchers and just trying to make them into something, and sometimes it works. Um, sometimes it doesn't. It didn't really work last season, but um, yeah, you know, I, I'm fine with it, whatever. Oh, I don't have it written down. Um, but Shamanaya is going to San Francisco for the same amount, for $25 million. That's good. I like that. Same amount and same... Term. Uh, Rodon to the Yankees for, oh, I don't remember what that contract was. Six years, $162 million. Uh, that's an overpay for me. Uh, that's an overpay for me, but it is short. You know, I think overpays are fine when they're in short-term deals, um, not in long-term like we've been talking about. Uh, painful deal. Don't like to see it. Hate to see it. Pinstripes, boo. Uh, I'm not a fan of it. Uh, I don't have anything else to say besides wham. 
Yeah. All right, last last one, and then we'll get into some teams. J.D. Martinez to the Dodgers, $10 million for one year. Uh, Actually, pretty pretty good pricing on J.D. right there by the Dodgers after overpaying for Thor, which is insane. But um, <laughs> I wouldn't be so hurt about it because I was already fine having J.D. walk and, and leave the clubhouse. But after we DFA'd Eric Hosma... It didn't really make sense to me why we wouldn't pay that little price for a one-year deal for JD just to have him around. I mean, he's a great guy to have around. $10 million is actually not too bad on the bank for, for the Sox, but um, maybe JD was tired of negotiating with Hyman. and he was just like, <laughs> all right, you know what? I'm done here. I'm going to go ring chase out in L.A. In L.A., yeah. Um, and, I mean, we'll talk about how I what we think those those uh, prospects of ring chasing are in LA. Um, first, let's look at uh, let's do this post mortem thing that we did last episode, and, and we're gonna we... be a lot quicker with it because we've already seen how yeah. some signings have played. So I think less of it's gonna be on what went wrong, and more of it's gonna be put on to uh, what needs to go right. Yeah. Oh, in for the sure. Next season, for sure. Um, so yeah, let's just start off nationally East. Atlanta Braves, you know, came out of nowhere, hundred one sixty one to win that. Uh, division, um, and they're coming back with pretty much everybody except missing a couple of relievers. Kenley Jansen. Oh, wait, I think who did he sign with? Sox. The so- oh, with the Red Sox. Yes. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Kenley Jansen is not going to be there. Neither is Dansby Swanson, as we talked about. So their starting shortstop is going to be Von Grissom, which um, I like Von Grissom. So I, think I think they're going to be just fine without Dansby. Actually, you know, Dansby's a wonderful shortstop. But out of all the people that they decided to keep, which, once again, we've talked about it at a little bit of length, you know, how the Braves have been able to structure contracts and and get people on long-term deals, uh, especially their young stars. I think out of all of the people that they decided to keep over Dansby, I think it works out. I think it works out for them. There's better shortstops out there. There's going to be better shortstops that might come through the system in the next couple years. Um, I think Vaughn well. Grissom is a great. I think he could be a better shortstop than than Dansby. Than Dansby, yeah. I mean, yeah, he I mean, batted possibly. he batted two ninety one uh, last year, um, and I guess his his uh, on base numbers aren't great, but you know, you know, I, I don't really have any any other things to really say about them. I think they're going to do fine. Um, they're going to have to compete with a Mets team that is obviously yeah. very very difficult to beat. But I do think that this Braves team is going to have a little harder. It, it's not going to be as, I shouldn't say easy, because they really just eked out like a, a division win last year. It's not easy. It's, it, but it's not, it, it, they, you, we should not assume anything about the Braves, that it, it'll be the same performance as last year. Yeah, you know, they had some pretty great rookies that came out and, and performed this year as well, you know. But sophomore slumps are real. Yeah, exactly. You know? Spencer so. Strider, he's going to have a 6 ERA and then blow his shoulder <laughs> out in game two. I don't know, it's crazy. Um, but <laughs> it, it's going to be interesting to watch them this season just because um, I think a lot of people if their stars do not perform this year, are going to be start questioning, like, why do we have these guys locked up for so long, right? Yeah. Every single year that passes on without, you know, seeing the fruits of your labor, you're you're wondering, well, maybe we could have got somebody better at some point. But I still love their lineup head to toe. Yeah. The, oh, bullpen, sure. the bullpen and rotation, I think, could use work, but maybe that's just 
my biases on on what I think about them already. But yeah, the one question that I have, I guess, is you know, you can't have Marcelo Zuna, um, in that lineup anymore, both because of on field production and you know all the off the field stuff. So are you gonna find? Are they going to go into free agency to look for a replacement, or are nope. they going to go from inside the organization? I think they still keep Ozuna in the lineup. <laughs> just that's just it. I think he's going to continue to play there. Um, he's had his moments. He's had his moments, um, but um, <laughs> he's had more than a couple. Um, but you know, he's the player from the Braves, and that's what the police officers need to know. <laughs> Ozuna, the player from the Braves. But I, I don't think they need to outsource, honestly. Sure, yeah, that makes I don't sense. think they need to do anything more besides if there is an option to beef up that bullpen a little bit. I don't even know who's still available for that, but there's always names. Chad Green. Chad Green's available, and um, maybe... I mean, there are a couple. Uh, and relievers. even for the rotation, you know, they could get Ivaldi or um, Corey Kluber would be interesting. The return of Craig Kimbrell would be awesome. I would love that. Oh, yeah, that. in relief? That'd be... That'd be great. And then they win a World Series. And then I think most people are happy with that. Maybe not. Uh... <laughs> Maybe not uh, our friend Nate, friend of the <laughs> no. podcast. No. Um, all right. Let's talk about the Marlins real quick. What's going on? I, I don't know anything about this team. Cheaters I... out of the equation now. You know, uh, it's... it's. <laughs> I can't tell if this team is rebuilding or not. They are. Um, We're starting are to see some because... of the prospects come up that they've been working on. I mean... Last couple years, they've had a top five, top six system in the MLB, and um, it's just that they don't have. See, in some, in most cases, when you do a rebuild, you once you start seeing a couple of those prospects start to make their way into becoming, you know, stars, you get other stars to tack on to that, mm-hmm. so that it all comes together, it gels. But they're not the team that's going to be out there spending to get the stars that need to actually um, accelerate the process. And they're still a couple years out. Some of those prospects haven't fared well, you know, but obviously they're not going to be a top contender this year. But Mm -hmm. a lot of our attention needs to be on their young players and uh what they're able to do and whether or not they have the potential to become uh leaders of this franchise yeah i mean i agree with you in in so far i don't think the marlins are going to be anything particularly special this year i just think that that's the point in the rebuild where they're at but you have to start questioning you know if this franchise doesn't show some sort of you know promise in the standing soon are players like sandy alcantara um pablo like lopez. pablo lopez are they gonna want to stick around and sign extensions no no they won't i i'm sure they won't the only benefit is obviously just miami itself uh you know being in florida right you get those low right. taxes no, exactly um which you know sometimes i'm surprised that more players don't sign with miami late into their career like more veterans don't end up on the Marlins. Because <laughs> um, it is. It's like, I think in other sports, you see that very often with, with the Heat or, you know, there's plenty of football teams in Florida. So you see people make the, the trip down there when they're yeah. old. But I don't do that for I just don't have a lot of faith in this front office. In the, in the current front office regime, um, 
Well, that's and, why um, Jeter wanted it out. It's because right. he had a vision for rebuilding the team and such, which started with getting rid of every single notable name on that team. Um, which which they did. And they didn't get much for return. But, <laughs> so I don't really know what they were looking at, but I guess that's more on the scouting department than Jeter. So, yeah, you yeah. know, but yeah, I don't think... I think their direction... They were so invested in their new prospects that now that they've gotten to this point and they're seeing some of them fizzle out, they're panicking. They're like, what do we do now? What's the next step? And I think they're just in a little bit of a rut. I don't know if I would say I don't trust them, but I'm going to say that they need to do something soon or else I will not trust them. Yeah. No, I, I, that's, a, that's a good way to sum it up. Uh, we talk about the Mets. I think the Mets are all set genuinely yep, they've addressed on. all their issues they're all set on pitching they're all set you know in their outfield we'll see you when you're a first round exit <laughs> peace out um people were saying that uh they're connected like any moves i think they make now are gonna be through trade i don't think they you know i mean we've they don't need to do they anymore. don't they don't need to do anything we more don't need to talk about in them free more. agents yeah i <laughs> mean other teams we we can move on other um, i wouldn't be surprised to see a trade there in some ways but um you know this this team is fine i'm gonna trade back for Degrom. uh oh yeah from the from the rangers um nationals um well there's not much to say they're in the middle of another rebuild um hey just they can hang on to 2019 and be happy about it and maybe 2029 see my prediction is dallas keichel to the nationals what what does that do for them anyways that's that's it gives them an arm that's marginally better than, you know, in theory, marginally better than the ones that they have right now. Um, I don't know. I could see, if anything, they pick up a couple, like, lower-tier starters. But, again, this is another team in, in a rebuild right now. There's yep. no hope of competing with the Mets or the Braves or, or even the or the Phillies in this division. Yeah. So if I want to watch, boys. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, talking about the Phillies, they lost Zach Eflin. I think we covered that the last episode. Um, to the Rays, so they do need pitcher. a starting pitcher. Yeah, Yavaldi is, I think, a, a, a good target for them. Yeah, um, but they also have a big pitching prospect coming up, probably coming up this year in Andrew Painter. So well, Floridian. Yeah. So I. So the question is, is whether they prioritize another starter. Um, you know, then you'd have. Nola, Wheeler, My question Suarez. is, with them, is, are they done spending? Like, what's the deal? You know, you've put so much money into Turner already, and they already have a lot of a money massive, yeah. on their payroll. And they're no, you know, not everybody could be Steve Cohen out here who's balling like that, but... It, yeah. No, I don't even know. I don't know who owns the. You know, Phillies. you're in the. You're coming off of a season where you were in the World Series, and they already made one massive addition that they probably believe is gonna get them to that ring. Um, I, I don't think that they need to do much more, and I don't think that they should because they don't want to overdo it. I guess as an organization, you know, trying to look at it from a fiscal perspective as well as a you know analyzing what they need to do on the field, but. Mm-hmm. yeah i think that you know just adding some pitching is really the only thing they need to look forward to there are not i mean we've ta- we talked about this there aren't a lot of 
big name starters that are still on the market. So maybe it would be wiser to go after some relief pitching. Yeah, they're already hitting the first. They just hit the first tier of the uh, luxury tax because of um, you know the deal with Turner. So I think I don't know whether they want to play within it or not, but that's just what I think. If they if they want to stay near to under it, maybe they actually trade somebody else. Um, that is on a lot of money to try to get maybe a prospect for it or mm-hmm. something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's but possible. I don't know who that would be. Um, but moving on to the National League Central, it's one of our favorite divisions. Yeah, famously good division. Famously good division. Do you want to lead us off here? Yeah, so the first thing that I have down here, the Brewers. Um, you know, Brewers have a great rotation. The only thing they need, they need offense. We've been um, saying this for like the three Brewers, or four years. And I've, exactly. The Brewers are the Rays of the National League. Um, they have great pitching year in, year out, and they don't score enough runs. Um, so they need offense. And But the issue, like the Rays, is that they're not willing to spend a lot on free agents. Um, I mean, they got William Contreras in that trade package uh, with the A's. Um, the Which very, was a really weird one. Very, very convoluted, yeah. Um, but I think they got some good, some good prospects out of that as well. Um, and yeah, of course, William Contreras came over from the Braves. Um, but in terms of offense, you need to add a lot um, to that team to have it become relevant again in this division, unless Christian Yelich like rediscovers his 2017 form. <laughs> um, but I don't necessarily see that uh, uh, happening anytime soon. No, it, it really, unless maybe maybe a little PEDs, maybe a little ringworm. Who knows? <laughs> maybe you can find something there. But, um, you know, I completely agree. You know, the Brewers, I like your analogy that they are uh, the rays of the National League, although they have a better stadium. So, yeah, um, that's true. People don't really hate that one. Uh, there's a fun slide that a... Uh, that somebody broke, broke their, their <laughs> like, arm, arm on or ribs. something? Who was that? Yeah, that was a... Um, some some MLB, uh, an L- some, MLB network analyst or something? Yeah, I don't remember. For, they worked for the Dodgers. Oh, a Dodgers um, broadcast. Yeah. But, uh, oh, that was great. <laughs> that was really funny. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't really know because their market's so weird because they don't actually like to go out and spend as well. Uh, on most occasion, most occasions, right. So there's a lot of places I can see that they should improve, and you know, but some of those, you know, all those big free agents off the board, they're going to need to find it in the little things, which they've always tried to do. Yeah, and has gotten you know mixed results. Postseason in... bound a lot of times, you know, and yeah, I don't know though if this is the year that they will you know uh the cardinals are looking great and why don't we move over to st louis uh well speaking of getting Contreras's, uh the cardinals uh, we just talked about it got wilson Contreras at catcher uh, replacing yadi obviously um i think the big hole that they need now you know again is starting pitching because they lost jose quintana um and there aren't that many starting pitchers on the market. So you wonder, are they going to have to to bring somebody up and have fill that role? I don't know if they – I don't know who there is in that farm system that could step into a a rotation 
slot. And you know, I still dislike the Harrison Bader, Jordan Montgomery trade that they did, but you know, at least that does help them in that starting pitching department. They have right. somebody there for that. And I'm glad that they didn't trade for Soto because they were offering like a five prospect package with some of the most notable names in the the prospect pool at the moment. So they're going to be able to see those guys come up. Like, you know, like Jordan Walker, third baseman, Norman Gorman, also third baseman, probably going to move to first base though. And, um, so I would think that they have a lot of things set, right? They have Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado already, and Paul DeYoung at shortstop could be improved upon. But I think there's obvious improvement that needs to happen in the pitching department. But I'm not sure whether or not whatever they attempt to do in free agency is going to actually uh, impact that you know their chances uh i think most of it's going to be that people just need to improve that is on that roster and they had an mvp this year you know two mvp contenders yeah right and um they had a wonderful season but uh some areas they just kind of lacked like the players didn't perform up to what they needed to Mm -hmm. yeah no you're right i think but Compared to the rest of the teams in this division, I think they're the, they're the best set for winning it. For which, yeah, for the immediate future, which we'll get into uh, maybe in March. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, make another really poor uh, predictions Predict- video. Oh, whoa! Let's <laughs> let's stop. Let's calm down here on the poor prediction. Um, but this might be not so much of a poor prediction. But moving over to the Chicago Cubs, we have a lot to talk about. I think with them because. For the most part, we're just confused, right? This is a front office that lost their GM to the commissioner's office uh, two years ago and ever since have been struggling to not just keep their foundational pieces, but also get anything in return for them. And you think that they're hitting like a mid-rebuild, which is what it's looking like. They want to spend, but they don't want to spend. It's a little strange. It's reminding me a lot of a team that I love near and dear to my heart. But, uh, <laughs> oh, wow. Um, but I think the thing with the Cubs is that they're, they are well primed for this current stage in the offseason. Because the big thing, that, at least in my opinion, that I think that they need is relievers. Um, because that bullpen was bad last last season they were fourth in blown saves um you know there's there's not i don't there's there's not a uh, a strong name in that bullpen or in that rotation no so so getting some pitching uh n- right now especially because the 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 bigger names are off the table so you can go for some of the 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 smaller ones yeah um that's what i think they're well primed to do i don't know if they will do it because as we said that front office under Jed Hoyer is very confusing to me um, in the in terms of the things that they do and do not do. Yeah. Um, like Wilson Contreras, for example, we talked about it. Should have been traded. He should have been traded uh, last season. Ian Happ should have been traded last season. And I don't... At, there at was most, no reason at why. At minimum, at minimum, Contreras. Because at least Happ, he's still around. 
right? He's still around. Mm-hmm. Um, and getting Dansby is obviously a direction that they think that they can still be competitive with their team. So if you look at it last season, you're like, okay, they want to be competitive next year. They're going to keep Ian Happ around. Makes sense. But Contreras? You're not going to re-sign him. Maybe they had plans to re-sign him, but it didn't work out. But mm-hmm. Yeah, which, you know, that's... Another, th- if that's true, that's another indictment of this front office is not being able to keep people that you want to keep around. Yeah, I think you know, as you mentioned though, pitching definitely is an area that they could definitely improve on. I actually would have loved to see, and love is a, a I'm using that loosely here, but um, <laughs> Kevin Kiermeyer would have helped that team. Yeah, I uh, I thought he was going to that team, you know, because he's he's from, not from Chicago, but he's he's I think very nearby. Um, so I think he historically rooted for the Cubs. His brother is is a Cubs ground groundskeeper. They need a center fielder. Um, maybe Brantley could have been good as well, not as a center fielder, but just a good acquisition for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that could be a place for them to really improve on. There's a lot of great first basemen out there if we're looking for trades, but um, of course pitching is a priority, uh, and you mentioned it. Uh, so why don't we move over to the our two most favorite teams in the world, <laughs> the Pittsburgh Pirates and the Cincinnati Reds. We could probably just do them at the same time. Uh, continue the tank, you know. It's it's. Uh, I really like the this... direction that the Reds are going. Yes, I agree. I think the Reds have a a you know their their uh, farm system is great. Um, Did I will keep saying it? They had the best draft out of any of the of the. Uh, teams this year and they just need to continue as you mentioned to kind of be bad and and they're gonna suffer for three four years but they're definitely on the right track for that three four year plan yeah and another thing that's so wonderful is that nobody goes to their games anyways so (laughs) they're well primed i will say they're well primed for when the cardinal this cardinals team is getting older um so they're not going to be on top of this division you know in perpetuity yeah. Um, so when that um, hierarchy of the division sort of erodes in the next couple of years, I think the Reds are in a good position to take advantage of that with the young uh, players that are already there and will be coming there in the near future. Oh, yeah. Oh, the yeah. Pirates I'm not as Sold enthusiastic on. about. I don't think – I think they had a group of prospects that just recently came up all together – and they didn't do, you know, a couple all-stars, but they didn't do exactly what you might have expected. You know, what's, and I also have a bunch of questions about some of those players. You know, what's going to happen to Brian Reynolds? Not, he's not getting traded, apparently. Um, because even though he wants, like, it, it's very, it's so frustrating to see one of the oldest, uh, most storied teams in baseball just continue to, with one of the best stadiums in baseball, you know, I mean, that's, that's, there are no prospects, um, or there's not a silver lining to this team that I can really say, um, for the immediate future. That might change in two to three years if Brian Reynolds decides to sign an extension, you know, and they get some, uh, first round, some good first round draft picks. I don't know how likely that is to happen. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I have nothing much to say on Pittsburgh besides, you know, raise a Jolly Roger, baby. <laughs> raise a Jolly Roger 
And um, I'm feeling a little jolly, so why don't we move over to the West Coast? <laughs> that was a beautiful segue. <laughs> um, yeah, let's, let's go over the West Coast. Um, Arizona Diamondbacks. You know, they, they've they been in this same position for a couple years. But, you know, I think everybody is on the same page that they have a bright future ahead of them. It's more of... No. You don't it, think so? I don't think so. I don't really think that no? they have much going on in, in Arizona. Um, they have a couple maybe prospects that, that will come up, but I don't I don't believe that there will be any difference in Arizona for the next ten years, honestly. Really? Yeah, I think That's that they're just bold. A, I just think they're a really poorly run organization. Re- I mean I don't think they're a, a particularly smart organization. Um but the next te- that's very harsh. I don't think I would go. I for me, I don't think I would go that harshly. Just because I think that there are worse teams in the National League West. Um, at least the Diamondbacks have, you know, they have some young players that are coming up, have come up, um, and I do think the National League West is a division that is is quietly. Um, Oh yeah, much much less uh, stable than it has been for the last five to ten years. Yeah, no. At one point in the season, every single team in the West had a winning record, and that was like through thirty or forty games. What I'm saying is, the Diamondbacks absolutely overperformed. I mean, incredibly overperformed in terms of that stretch. Even the Rockies did as well, and I don't think either of them. Which we'll get into the Rockies are going to do anything too special this season. And um, they probably won't for a little bit either. So I, do I, have, think... I have very harsh feelings on both of those NOS teams. No, I have harsh feelings about the Rockies, for sure. Um, right now, well, I'll get into that in a sec. Let's, let's, the Los Angeles Dodgers, you know, obviously... Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll win 100 games. What do they need to do right? I don't know. Perform in the playoffs, you bums. All you guys do is choke. <laughs> you guys all have all these stars. You're in a big market, and you just fail every year. I mean, Dave Roberts got to be calling the question. I mean, what are they doing? But, I mean, simply put, I mean, what are we talking about here? The Dodgers, yeah, they're going to go on. They're going to win a lot of games this year. Have fun. You lost Cody Bellinger. He was already falling off. You know, You're going to be regular time. season champions. Yeah, 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 yeah. Raise the raise no, actually, the, raise the, the regular season trophy. The I actually the Mets are gonna be regular season champions. Uh, I agree with you, but you know the whole thing about Dodgers fans, you know. Yeah, I think the 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 one thing that I'll say about the Dodgers is that they have really only lost pieces this offseason. They have not made any significant additions. Not that I really think that they need to, but it will be interesting to see how many how much those losses affect like how much i know bellinger was not particularly productive uh the last couple seasons i shouldn't say the last couple seasons really the last two seasons which is couple which is a couple i guess <laughs> but <laughs> but i i don't know like there are i mean aj pollock is gone i don't think that but, but, but the thing with that is i always think that there's another person in line and it's been proven with the Dodgers system, one of the best that has I agree. been built. I completely agree, but I don't know that that will happen forever. And I don't know that it's, it's right, I, I should say, I don't know that it's guaranteed to happen forever. Oh, for sure. But at, at this current stage, 
the pieces that they lost were a lot of the people, you know, like, I believe they lost Tyler Anderson, right? Yeah, I mean, he was a lo- surprise good player, a surprise good pickup. Another, a few other the peeps, I mean, people. I mean, they, they lost were, Trey Turner. Yeah. How like how much can Gavin Lux at shortstop make up for Trey Turner? I like Gavin Lux. I had him on my fantasy. Um, but I don't think that he's a Trey Turner that he can match that level of defensive or offensive production. Losing Justin Turner as well, you know? Yes, yeah. Uh, definitely some pieces that are, are falling off the board for the Dodgers. But, yeah, there's there's holes that definitely have put their um, credibility uh, as the top runner into question. But um, I've been burned by them too many times to uh, to count them completely out of, of winning that regular season trophy i guess but um there's another team in this division that i think actually has a really good shot if they can get uh, everything together over there and that is the san diego padres Uh, we already talked about this team spending a lot and locking down a lot of players a lot of position players that is um yeah exactly you know how does bogarts affect this team how does the tatis suspension you know of course, they played a whole season without him last year, but you know, eventually he's going to return, right? Yeah. What What are you going to do with that? What are you going to do? You can't have three shortstops on your yeah exactly. roster in perpetuity because not only like even if they're all producing for so, you, their value. I feel like their value would be higher in a trade, especially considering the pot, the state of the Padres. But could you system. imagine Tatis in center field? He'd be an animal. He'd be an animal. <laughs> I think he's destined for the outfield. Actually, he has such good mobility as a shortstop that I think, yeah, absolutely, it's possible. Who do they have in center field right now? What, Trent Grisham. I don't know. Yeah, that's well, true. I, it might be Trent. It, I, I think it is Trent else, Grisham. But, I think it is Trent Grisham. You know, another thing is you know, Kim could move over to first base, but then you gotta be. But like, then you're wasting that. Like, but then where do you these... is Cronenworth DHing? You know, Cronzone's got to be in the lineup. Yeah. Cronzone may be playing second again. Cronzone's been everywhere in that organization. He's played everywhere. The it's yeah, the the moves that we talked about it that AJ Preller is, has made and continues to make are he gets good players and then there are so many questions about what he's going to do with them or what Bob and I the only reason I don't think it's been a terrible offseason is because I trust Bob Melvin. You know, I I know that Bob Melvin can do can figure out also, how to work. Also, I don't think players. it's a terrible offseason because they. Added... Oh, I don't. I don't think it's a terrible. I shouldn't say that. Um, I. The only way that I can put rhyme or reason to these acquisitions, is, knowing that Bob Melvin is is able to, but work you know, this lineup. You know what would have been better than signing Xander Bogarts and getting another shortstop? Maybe picking up, a Carlos Rodon. Yes, maybe well because that's the maybe thing, getting a Justin Ver. If you're wanting to spend money, maybe address getting a need, a address Justin something Verley. that your organization needs instead of because Manaya left, Clevenger left. You dealt Mackenzie Gore for for Juan Soto, which I guess you know you, you which also do. Clevenger not not a great pitcher, not a great pitcher, but at least they're now. Who do you have? You know, you got Musgrove, you got Darvish. And that's it. And that that's I'm, it. I'm so probably leaving somebody out. But. You're gonna have to go to. 
to this depleted uh, starting pitching market. But I don't Uvalde, think I think it might I be mean, depleted. But it's like yeah, it's very large depth of depleted pitchers. If that makes sense. Uh, yeah, I see. A what lot you mean. of names that could do the exact same thing at very different price point. Uvalde yeah, being one true. of the more expensive ones, probably that could be like a you know one of the more tested ones. But would the be, thing would be, is the other way to look at it. The thing is, I think a lot of the obviously. There's going to be players that are like surefire, going to most likely have a successful season. But a lot of these names that you go for now, they could be amazing and they could be a standout free agent signing for you, or they could be your worst nightmare. And you're just going to have to live with that for like probably a two, three year deal if I'm doing it right. But Padre should see if Patrick Corbin's on the market. I heard oh, he was really goodness good. Goodness me. <laughs> Let's calm down. <laughs> Um, okay, well, we talked about the Padres. San Francisco, for me, it takes the cake as the team that has made the biggest improvements compared also, compared from last year. Sure. Are you just talking about teams in the National League, or are you talking about teams in general? Um, I was talking about teams in the National League, but I can't... Who in the American League do you think has improved more than San Francisco? Because I, I can't think of anybody... Yeah, I mean, they added Shamanaya, Ross Stripling, Correa, obviously. They, I mean, we didn't talk Mitch Haniger, Jock Peterson, they're bringing back. I think all of their big concerns from last year um, were addressed. You know, their rotation, their lineup. Um, especially considering the fact that I think that the Dodgers may be getting weaker. Um, I think San Francisco is a, a better opportunity to become a plus 500 team maybe not take a swing at the division title just yet but i think they could challenge for second place for sure sure get a, get a sure. wild card spot i don't really have much to say about san francisco uh besides the fact that i was right that they were a bust last year so yeah no you are i, I do think that missing out on aaron judge uh proved to be a blessing in disguise mm-hmm. because what they've done on I think they've used that money very effectively elsewhere. What? Put it all in Korea? Well, not a lot of it in Korea, but I think also, you know, I don't know if Manaya or Stripling would have happened if Aaron Judge, if an Aaron Judge deal had been more good. This is all hypothetical. Yeah, it's all hypothetical. Arson Judge. Arson Judge. Um, Arson Judge will be a big help to this team. But let's move on as we, we come up to a pretty long podcast here. Why don't we talk about the, the last team here? which is a very exciting team to talk about, I'm sure, which is the Colorado Rockies, which, well, what do uh, what do they need to do to be successful? I See, I would say blow it up, but we're at the point where, like the Oakland Athletics, like what is there to blow up That's at ex- this That's the point? exact comp I was going to go with was the <laughs> Athletics, you know. And, hey, the Athletics still found a way to trade Sean Murphy, so, <laughs> you know, but... At least Colorado, they have a farm system that has, I don't buy it necessarily, but according to MLB, it's improved. Oh yeah, they so. got some infield prospects that are, are pretty good out there in Colorado, but you know. I just don't have any trust in this front office, in this manager. I There's no faith 
one of for the me problems I think that the Rockies have, and this is not something that they can take, you know, really control, is they'll have a player that does well one season, and then the next one they're not on their game, and then that's will be happen for other players. They have a lot of faulty players, but they don't have a lot of consistency. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's the altitude, but I think they need a player like uh, Nolan Arnato that would really bring a lot of. Uh, consistency to that team i think yeah you know yeah and um maybe they would uh make the postseason well maybe yeah well who knows but you know that guy i heard he's caused a lot of problems in locker rooms before so that's the reason he's not there anymore (laughs) yeah Yep, so that does it on our National League postmortem-esque episode. And I know we left out probably a lot of free agent signings, uh, but we kind of tried to just cover the big ones, you know. We didn't talk about DeGrom because we kind of talked about the rumors last time. Uh, but, you know, I'm sure you guys have seen the news. He was one of the first free agents to pop off the board and, and go to Texas, um, which maybe even whatever the next episode may be will discuss again some of the american league um acquisitions but uh that's gonna do it for for this episode and um i hope you guys enjoyed the world cup because it's world baseball classic time is that right oh yeah oh i'm pumped (laughs) it's gonna be great yep it's gonna be great and um if you guys want to follow us for any of our fun tweets or coverage and anything that's going on in our lives you can find us on twitter uh you can follow me at tyler underscore underscore foy you can follow me at fonseca underscore esq well once again we thank you for listening to this episode of the two scene podcast and we hope to see you again for whenever the next one comes out (laughs) 